Good evening, everybody, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Segman, and with me, as always, is my best pal... Noelle Schmidt. That's right, and uh, this is the show called High Spirits, in which we talk about ghosts and we drink alcohol. We sure do. Yep, that's right. Hey, uh, Noelle, I see that you're drinking a wine out of a Sprecher uh, tasting glass. Would you like to talk about that? Well... I don't know what happened here. This class was given to me. Um, but I like it. And I think it fits the wine that I'm drinking, which is, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to butcher the name of it, Anoro Vera. That sounded perfect. Thank you. What language was that? I don't know. I think it's Spanish. <laughs> oh. um, I'm not sure where it's from, but it's a Cabernet. Oh, it's from Niles, Illinois. Oh, um, it's so fancy. Oh, wait, no, Niles. wait, wait, wait. It's a it's important. It's a product of Spain. It's um it's pretty fruity for a Cabernet. It doesn't have the bite that I would typically want. You should so, write a letter to them. An Vero, kind of fruity. <laughs> um, so I feel like drinking out of the Sprecher tasting glass. Yeah. From a, we went we this is from when we went and did our our tour of the Sprecher. That was Sprecher. amazing. It was, was a, really a lot long of time ago. Yeah, it was a lot of fun though. That was what in eighteen fifty seven. Yeah. That's how long Sparker has been around. That's how long we've been around. Established 1985. Whoops. Oh. <laughs> that must have been someplace else. What are you drinking? This is different. Oh, this is different. This is called um, Elysian. Uh, it's base dust. I love it. And it's an IPA. Isn't I don't it cool? love that. It looks like an artichoke. I know it's a hop. But it looks like an <laughs> artichoke puking up um, sunshine. Stardust. Stardust. Yeah, space dust, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I like that. Yeah, she's out of uh, one side. Well, okay. We'll never know. Nope. I do know. I mean, it says that it's out of Seattle, Washington, and Fort Collins, Colorado. So I don't know if it's like a double do or... That could be like the the Lagunitas. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. They got the double. Yeah. So thank you, Elysian Space Dust. Yeah, I love that label. That's very cool. Sure, yeah. It's the only reason why I chose it. Excellent. Um, do we have stuff to catch up on? I don't think so. Uh, Unless you want to. Eh. I mean, I want to set the record straight on one thing. Sure. Um, from the first Amityville Part 1, we kind of got into it a little bit about Butch DeFeo. And I, I want to, I just want to clear something up after listening to it. And I think I like made myself clear, but I could see some people coming back. And to be quite honest, I'm not great at reading comments if there are any. Um, <laughs> I don't think you've read a one. Not a one. I, I read the sports comment. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe that he is in any way like an innocent bystander. <laughs> and I think he's oh, a... Oh, do you think you came across as that? I think that maybe, you know, people could interpret that I was defending him. I'm In no way am I defending his actions. I just want to be no, clear. No, I think you were coming after me for being like such a relentless fuck about what a dick he is. No, I, I mean, I think I just wanted to make... Like, my point was that we have a mental health care issue. And like, there could have been more done for him, but... I, but at the same time, like, his parents also, like, did take him to a psychiatrist. And, sure. like, he stopped taking his medication. So a lot of that does fall on him as well. But I think, yeah, th- that's all. Like, I-, I think that he's a bad person. And I think he continues to shift the blame. And maybe he was possessed by demons. We don't know. Um, <laughs> and if that's, <laughs> if that's the case. You then- had me up to then. I'm very sorry, Butch DeFeo. Um, I mean, I, I think our people that we're going to talk about today believe that he was indeed possessed 
by demons. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I should say this. Welcome to Amityville Horror Part 3. Part 3. Yes. Um, you've taken a break. We've taken a break. We've had a chance to uh, listen and look back and reflect. I've watched so many videos. Yeah, so Noelle many documentaries. Ready. I, she, you're ready to go. Oof. There's a lot of bad internet, you guys. <laughs> what? There's a lot of bad that internet. That doesn't sound like the internet. That doesn't sound like the internet, but there's a lot of ba- like bad internet I'm out there. I'm very surprised. Uh, there's because here's what I use the internet for: directions and porn, <laughs> and all of those things have been good so far. Oh, I've been doing it all wrong this oh my whole God, time. And try ordering things. It's a company called Amazon.com. <gasps> I know it. Oh, I was gonna say. Yeah, I actually am a member. No. Uh huh. I've subscribed to their membership. Well, it's an exclusive thing. I'm prime. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Okay, so we are. Um, yeah, if you misconstrued anything from Noelle, she's she's super sorry about it. She'd love to talk about it. If you got my direct messaging, um, <laughs> glad you heard it. Fuck that dude. <laughs> sorry. It must be so hurtful, Butch. Ugh. Not as hurtful as uh, I don't know. This I watched. You an, I watched an interview with him. I watched so many YouTube videos. I watched an interview with him, and ugh, that guy. He just, he talks, he's just such a fast talker, and it's not his problem. Nothing is his problem. Sure. And it's just, it's hard to watch him. Um, I should say, as we get started, Noelle and I would like to give a big shout out to um, the people listening in Japan. Yes. There's lots of you, so thank you. Thank you. We really, really do appreciate that. What up, Japan? Uh-huh. We also want to thank um, all the listeners in China. Hi, China. Hi, China. How are you? Doing doing pretty well, I oh, think. Oh, you're doing well. Hey, yeah. I've got something to say to you. Ni hao. Oh, look at you. There we go. Okay. Anyway, we really appreciate you. We don't um, necessarily know why you choose to listen to, <laughs> <laughs> to drunk people from Chicago listening to, or uh, talking about ghosts, but Crazy Americans. All, Thank tell you. Tell everybody, you're a de- you're like <laughs> a demographic we'd love to crack. I love it. I think it's right? amazing. Billions of people listening to ghostesses. We are worldwide. We can honestly say <laughs> that we are worldwide. Oh, we have one quick story Tens to tell. Tens of people worldwide. Only because it made us both laugh. Uh, so we have a fan. I'll do it in quotes because uh, we actually know this person. But we have a fan who told Noel that he was coming to visit Chicago. And he oh. wanted to go on a very special. You have to say the abbreviation because I still don't remember what it is. I have to get it right. He said, um, he's like, hey, while I'm there, can we hit up all the HSC hotspots? And I was like, Yes. What's HSC? Like, I I, t- I probably waited, and I he doesn't know this, so I'm totally, like, now sh- telling the truth. No, I'm outing it, because it was so funny, because Noelle said, this is a game of telephone. She told me the story, and I was like, well, what the fuck you say it again? HSC. I was like, what is HSC? And I, like, Googled it. I was like, this is something I should know. I <laughs> should like know this is, an in- this is an inside dr- joke that, like, I should totally know this. And I finally was like, yeah, we can do that. What's, what's HSC? And he... He wrote back, it's only your show, Noel. And I was like, oh, my God. That's amazing. So, you guys, if you're playing real inside ball, HSC stands for <laughs> High Spirit Chicago. High Spirit Chicago. And, um, yeah, if you're ever in Chicago, we're happy to take you on the tour. We'll take you to the ghost studio. We'll take you to uh, a cemetery. You know. Why you not? know. We'll do all the things. We will take a walk down the river walk of the Chicago River. Oh, oh yeah. We should do that. Yeah. there's lots of terrible things that happen there. And then, you know, if we're just hanging out, how about the hop leaf? Because <laughs> we love that place. I mean, it's not, as far as we know, haunted, but I'm happy to tell you terrible things there. They know us there. Um. <laughs> you take me on a ghost tour? I'm like, by which you mean a ghost tour of the mind as we sit at Hopley? And have some delicious drinks. Oh, um, so good. Should I tell my ghost cat story? 
Oh, yeah, you have to tell your ghost cat story. By the way, we will be talking about Amityville. Uh, this is part three, but we're... Uh, we're catching up. Like tourists in Chicago, we're taking a segue. So relax. Um, I told Jade the story last week, and uh, um, I... I don't know how to say this. Like, I... Say it in a British accent. Oh, I don't often have <laughs> ghost experiences. Say it standing on your head. <laughs> I can't do that. You are doing it now. Oh, I am standing on my head. Can you believe it? You look really good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't <laughs> often have experiences. Um, and, and, and if things happen, I'm like, meh, that's not a thing. But I was staying at a hotel recently, and I was doing some work at the desk in the room, and I felt my pants kind of like be pulled down like something was straightening them at the knee and I was like huh like maybe I brushed up against something and I looked down and there was nothing there that I could have brushed up against and it was a clear like I'm I'm like showing you my actions. I know it's very exciting. Uh, it was clear like a tug at my pants um, and then so I was like oh my god it was either I don't know it was like an animal rubbing up against you or a tailor at Talbot's Right. <laughs> Either of these things could have died in that hotel. You're getting alterations from um, from a wasp or <laughs> or maybe getting a visit from the animal other side. Talbot. Does Talbot still exist? Of course it does. Oh, good Bite for your tongue. Good for you, Talbot. Oh my God. So It's like asking if the sharper image or, or L.L. Bean is still around. <laughs> the sharper image. <laughs> the um, zombie apocalypse has not hit. So next, I was... Uh, in bed, I was sleeping, and I fell asleep with the TV on. I believe I was watching a Cold Case Files marathon, to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> fell that checks out. Yeah. Fell asleep and woke up um, and turned the TV off, and I was laying in bed, still kind of awake, falling back asleep, and I felt these footsteps right by, like, where... Now, if I may, only because you can't see what Noelle's doing. Noelle, do what you just did with your hands. So Noelle has her fingers and hands like paws mm-hmm. and they are climbing on a duvet that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm seeing that's exactly it and she's doing it quite cat like I felt like sorry your object work is so no, good thank if you. I don't tell them they won't I can't and I can't not like talk with my hands yeah. Uh, so yeah I felt these. there were these like footsteps like just right Still next to me it. I know <laughs> why can't you see this um, <laughs> so so they got cuter and closer to her face, and I, dare I say, your object work uh, cat paws got cuter. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, bottom line is, I don't know if it was anything or what it was, but it and it didn't creep me out in any way, which is a good thing. Yeah. I was just kind of like, huh, all right, ghost cat. Like, <laughs> I immediately went to a cat. Mm-hmm. So... I would like to leave it with it that and just say that I had a ghost cat experience. You had an experience, which yeah. is amazing. That was pretty cool. I like to think that that was your cat, Ophelia. I would who like has to been think... referenced on the show, I think, a lot. I, I would we try like... to leave our friends out of it and try to, like, never <laughs> but say my, who we are. But, but my dead cat, we're talking about we're her. We're talking about her. Um, I would like to think that, too. But I would also like to think that if Ophelia was haunting me, she would try to find ways to, like, murder me. <laughs> Not do, like, pleasant, like bumping up against my leg Where and were you? I was also you guys missed it Noelle just did this really cute thing with her butt <laughs> what are you doing I don't know tell I them what you're doing like, I'm like her bumping up against me yeah but don't I can't stop I don't know uh, I was in LA oh 
So Ophelia wasn't in L.A. So here's the thing. No. You're just an am like a dead animal whisperer and some cute cat in some hotel went and said hi. Right. You were in the Westin? I was at the Westin um, Bonaventure, which they have filmed Hold a lot. Really fast. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank our uh, sponsor, the Westin Bonaventure. Correct. Thank you for sponsoring High Spirits. Thank you. Uh, they filmed a lot of movies there. Um, in the hotel? In the hotel, notably um, True Lies. So I like to ride up and down. My it was Jamie Lee Curtis that was haunting you. Well, she, she's a little kitten-esque. She is a little kitten-esque, yeah. Huh. Or I would like to also think that maybe there were some animals that were harmed during the filming of one movie. <gasps> I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know which movie. but oh, Speaking of movies... What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Amityville Horror. Um, so we're on part three. Mm-hmm. We could not get her done. We, no. we had part one was the DeFeos. Part two was the Lutzes. Uh, part three is actually kind of the controversies around. That's how they say it in Britain. Oh, okay. We say controversies. Controversies. They say controversy. Oh, that's so, so much nicer. No, well, they're nicer than we are. They really are. Mm-hmm. We uh, Americans got uh, religious fanatics, and Australians got crooks. <laughs> so, <laughs> there we are. Here we um, are. Yeah, so we're going to talk about, uh, spoiler alert, the Warrenses. They're coming up. We love them. We love them. We love half of them. Oh, my God. Lorraine. Lorraine. You're killing it, lady. Girl. Killing it. Ugh. Also, many of you know who listen to the show, full disclosure, I met Lorraine, and she's my best friend, and I think she's a beautiful, accomplished woman, so the way that, the way that uh, Noelle may have to apologize for going light on the, uh, Ronnie is the way that'll be like, no, whatever Lorraine does, it's absolutely fucking stupid. I'm still going to say I like it, because I love her. She looks like my grandma Anne. Oh, well, so you have a personal connection that way. Yeah, and I met her. And you and you personally know her. <laughs> yeah, so it's personal and personal. Okay. Okay, guys, we're going to go back to the topic at hand. And just so you know, the Lutzes uh, used to live at 112 Ocean Avenue, which mm-hmm. was the home uh, in which allegedly convicted of uh, Ronnie DeFeo Jr., otherwise known as Butch, um, killed his entire family. Uh, George and Kathy Lutz moved in there only 13 months later, and they lasted for 28 days. On January 14th, 1976, January 14th is actually my dad's birthday, which is kind of fun. Uh, January 14th, George and Kathy left just in a a scurry. Mm -hmm. They were like, they left. Goodbye. Um, The next day, a mover came in, removed all their possessions, which I don't know why you'd want those possessions. They weren't yours. And it's, it's meaning it's, the four hundred furniture they bought from the murdered family. Four hundred dollars worth of furniture, yeah. What did I say? Four hundred furniture. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, well, and it, it's interesting too because some people claim that they just abandoned everything and they left things there, but movers did come mm-hmm. to remove things. So I think that. So Kathy probably. <laughs> sorry, this is so rude. <laughs> she had them come in and grab her cigarettes. Right. Oh, Kath. Oh, Kath. You know, you guys, she died. She died of the emphysema. Yeah, it's not nice. No. But she smoked so much. So much. So stop smoking. They talk about it in the book. Like, she's just smoking just all the time. Just a smoking gal. Yeah. She's probably one of those ladies um, that had, like, that, like, Nick finger. Yep. <laughs> that little brown Nick finger. That's that she can... stayed so trim. Yeah, she was so trim. Virginia Slims, not just for smoking, for dieting. 
<laughs> That's what they were. That's why they're called that. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, all those long cylindrical uh, cigarettes were actually marketed only to women. That's why women only smoke them because okay. they were marketed as dieting tools. Of course. Four out of five doctors say you can lose weight smoking cigarettes. I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> you can just say the world is a terrible place. The world is a terrible Hashtag. place. That's never been effective for me. Amityville. <laughs> Ghost cat. Ghost cat. All right, so here's what happens when they move. Or, like, go. Or, as Noah would say, they get out. Say get out. Get out. Lovely. Um, there's this dude named Jay Anson, also dead, unrelated. But uh, he writes a book called Amityville Horror. Amityville or? Uh, it's the, I think it's the Amityville Horror. Okay. It's an easy book. Pick it up. Um, and the, the sales of that book are around 10 million copies. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone a lot. There was a huge craze for this book and yeah. people went nuts over it. And then people started uh, showing up outside of the house um the neighbors talk about how people were camping out in their yards Uh they just wanted to see something they were people were so crazy about this book um and the thing is is that uh we talked about this i think the last time or or you were going to cover this just now um jay anson like there were all these paranormal investigators um that were coming into the house to check it out and they were like nothing's happening here this is this is not a thing and um i recently watched an interview with one of the paranormal paranormal he's a parapsychologist and he debunked the whole thing um and he had a several conversations with jay anson and he was like you know that you're writing this book uh off of like this is a not a real story this is a phony tale and Jay Anson basically said something to him along the lines of like, well, um, when it's a huge success, I'll be laughing my way to the bank. Um, and uh, the guy the guy was like so put off by it. And he was like, well, but then he passed away. And Jay right, Anson, did Jay Anson passed away before the book was even published nope. or right after. Right before it became a craze, craze. It took right. a little longer back then for things to like catch up. It was more word of mouth and bookstores. And now, right. Like, Noel, explain to people what a bookstore is. Um, Just kidding. It doesn't matter. You'll never see one. You'll never see one again. <laughs> uh, but, unless, but, unless you go to the airport. God bless you. Right. But the, but the, the thing is, is that Jay Hansen passed away before he could really cash in on it. Yeah, I think the book came out in 77. I'm just off the top that of my head. That sounds right. It came yeah. out in 77 and Jay Hansen died in 1980. So, so he knew it was a hoopla, but he didn't get the big effect of it. Yeah. So let me say this. And then I'll let uh, Noel take a little bit um, here. But I do have to tell you that um, one of the reasons why Jay Anson was so flip in that story is he never worked directly with the Lutzes. Nope. In fact, didn't even, like, really meet them. Nope. Guys, I'm sorry if this bums you out. It probably is going to bum some of you out. Jay Anson wrote this based merely on, well, this is a lot, this is actually a lot, but 45 hours of pre-recorded tape. They sent him tape-recorded tape recollections. 45 hours worth. Right. Now, he used this as the basis for the book. Now, if you've ever seen the book, it's like, what, 175, 180 pages? Yeah. So this man listened to 
like 45 I don't know, 45 hours, which is the equivalent of one fish song. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) And just seriously, don't get into that. Uh, It makes no sense unless you're doing drugs. We see you. Yeah. Um, So Jay Anson listened to one fish song worth of horror stories and then wrote a book about it. And that was it. Dunsky Dunsky. Mm -hmm. He never met them. Or if he met them, he met them in passing. Yeah. And the thing is, is that uh, they... The Lutz family actually only ended up making, I think, $300,000 off of the book. They only got a small percentage of the royalties. Um, Jay Anson made everything else. The movie, um, I can't remember who the um, movie house was that produced it. Um, I think it was Columbia. It doesn't matter. Um, they made like $86 million off of this story. And the Lutzes who, you know, if the, if the stories are true that this was just a big ruse and a, um, a way for them to cash in on it, they walked away with after taxes, almost $300,000. Well, I have to say this. Which is like One, nothing. I'm really surprised it's after taxes. Cause I mean, George Lutz wasn't a big, uh, follow the rules kind of guy. And then right. the second thing though, is like, we already know he's a bad businessman. Right. Right? We know that from the book. We know it from the book. <laughs> so it's not like, I don't know. I don't know if he was going to be like, hey, my house is haunted. I'm going to make a real great deal. Like, he just fucking, he didn't know what he was doing. Dumbass. No. Just kidding. Hey, if you believe in all this, it must, it, you know, it must be very hurtful. I'm sorry. Maybe, but let's continue so you know. <laughs> so you know just how hurt you're going to be. Right. It's, okay. It's not going to get any better. So I have these. Noah has a shit ton of notes, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the lead on the topics mm-hmm. just because I have them in order. I here. don't have that many notes. Oh, is this um, your only page of cursive? Yeah. <laughs> I write in cursive. <laughs> okay. Well, we're actually just gonna do <laughs> do your cat pause again. It's happening. It's oh my god, that gets better. I know. That's this cute. also doubles as my horse dancing, my dressage. <laughs> yeah, I really actually that is your dressage. Um, no wonder I like it so much. Right. Uh, Father Pecoraro, I think we decided to call mm-hmm. him. Now, that was the real priest that the Father Mancuso character Correct. was based on. I don't know why he changed his name to Mancuso. It, well, because it's easier to <laughs> easier to say than Pecoraro. Pecoraro. I heard a lot of people say Pecoraro over Pecoraro, the last couple, Pecoraro, Pecoraro. Two, couple of days, and I'm like, good for you. You're good killing for it. you. I know. When I tried, it just came Ed, off a lot like I was eating spaghetti with a full mouth. Ed Warren talks about him like they are best pals. Oh. But please continue. Do your Ed Warren impression of saying Father Pecoraro. Uh... So I was talking to Father Pecoraro the other day, and uh, yeah, he That's was saying, "I've seen a, I've seen this, I've seen, seen this." Yeah. Uh, Ed's grammar is the worst. I love Lorraine. Personal worst. connection. Right. <laughs> Please continue. So just just one thing about Father Feather. Hello, <laughs> Father Pecoraro. Uh, during the course of the lawsuit surrounding the case in the seventeenth. In the 1970s, let me just do that sentence again. During the course of the lawsuit surrounding the case in the 1970s, <laughs> Father, listen, Noel's laughing because I all my stories take place in the 1700s. That's exactly why. I'm I know for me to say 1900s <laughs> is a really complex thing for my for my palate. <laughs> so wait, she um, doesn't know where she is. Yeah, I'm like 1900s. This is so soon. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Father Pecoraro stated in an affidavit that his only contact—that's right, folks—the original father said he had never met the Lutzes, and he said he had only spoken with them once about this on the phone that was it 
Well, Ed Warren would say otherwise. Well, you you share that. Because uh, an affidavit means, though, he swears to God, and you know how priests are. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's important to them. Listen, I just watched The Keepers on Netflix, oh, and those girl. priests are honest, honest guys. <laughs> God, Jesus, no. Um, <laughs> what? Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's me in the corner. That's me in the spot. Light. Anyway, uh, no, I don't really have more to add to that other than I just watched a few interviews with Ed where he dropped uh, Father Pecoraro. The P word a lot? Quite a bit. Like, his, you know, talking about the flies. And here's the thing, um, and I do have a note about that somewhere in here. Um, the Warrens openly state that they do not stand behind the book or the movie um yet all of the stories that they share are directly from the book and the movie so they've studied them um so (laughs) ed was like father pecoraro was talking about how he uh went to this room and there were flies in the room and in the book that didn't happen no it did happen in the book where he goes to the he goes no he heard get out in the sewing room but there were no flies Oh, oh, okay. The flies happened later. Okay. Um, well, all that happened when um, Father Mancuso came to the house. He got to the house, mm-hmm. um, started to do some prayer skis, went up to the second floor. Right. Um, <gasps> no, you're right. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. So he no, said, no. "No, no, no, no." But you're right. So the the story that Ed relayed was that Father Pecoraro went up to the room. He didn't feel good about it, <laughs> and he said to this is the story that's told in the book. He said to, um, or he asked uh, George about it, and George said, that's going to be a sewing room. And he said, okay, good, as long as no one's sleeping in there. Okay, yep, I buy that. That's in the book. Um, but Father Pecoraro signed this affidavit saying that Yep. that never happened. So yep. Was who that, do we believe, the what? priest or the con artist? Yeah. It's hard to say. <laughs> Father Pecoraro, not there. Talk to him right. over the telephone. Um. Okay, so my next category is the house itself. Because a lot of people think, I mean, just the way that a lot of people think, like, the DeFeo murders happened, and years and years and years and years passed, and then the Lutzes moved in, and years and years and years passed, and it was an abandoned house. This is not the case. The DeFeos left the house. I'm kidding. They were murdered. Um, Well, they they technically did. Yeah, I know. When people like, yeah, when before, I'm like, it's not that they packed up. They were gone. They died. They left. 13 months later... The Lutzes move in. Now listen to this shit. Jim and Barbara Cromarty bought the house for $55,000 in March of 1977. Let me go back and tell you this. January 14th, 1976, George and Kath Andelaide. In March of 1977, Jim and Babs buy this mofo and house for $55,000. It is not empty for long. Dang. So, won't it be interesting to hear what they have to say? I am very interested, but I I feel. Wait, guess how much they bought the house for? And I'm sorry, I know we do, we always do uh, ghost property brothers. Fascinating. Now you have to remember that the Lutzes bought it for eighty thousand. How much right. did these guys? No, buy you it for? you said it twice already. It was fifty five thousand. Oh fuck. Um, but <laughs> oh, I'm drunk. Elysian space dust. Oh, You're so good. Man. No, but my question is. By the way, that... I can still operate a space shuttle. Give me the keys. Oh, okay. Give me the keys. We're going. Here. I already gave you the keys. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> we're going to Mars. We're doing great. 
Uh, so no, my question is, what did do you know what the equivalent of fifty five thousand today, like for a what was it six bedroom? It's seventy five million dollars. Oh my god! No, I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> no, but it wait, it's five or six bedrooms, three baths, a pool, a lagoon, or like it's a no like lake property or something. Canal like, property. Canal property. Yeah. I'm well, sure there's know, a basketball we know hoop. It was one point one five. In 2010, I, I, I think That's you said right. something like in 2015, it depreciated to 80, yeah. 800,000. How quickly I forget all of this. But like, <laughs> but 55,000. 55,000. That's incredible. What a deal. Well, I mean, it's like there was something wrong with the house. <laughs> Sorry. It's like six people were murdered there and then a family was driven out in 28 days by demons. And these people are like, you know what? Jimmy when I are like cool. When I see a deal, I jump at it. It's a nice house, though. It is a nice house. We can live with it. So, They're hold like, on. We're not going to put any type of like Christian icons or or things like of that nature on the wall. We're fine. I mean, maybe they did. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. Or maybe they lack the spirit and imagination. What are their the names again? Jim and Barbara. Cromarty. Cromarty. C R O M A R T Y. The Cromarties. Cromarties. Okay. It's a beautiful name. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they they lived there forever. What? They lived there for like 15, 20 years. Do they have children? Mm, I well, it's the seven it's it's nineteen seventy seven. I will say this. I assume so. Okay. It's a big house, I assume yeah. so. I don't think they wanted to get their kids involved in this, so God only knows. Yeah, maybe, good for them. Maybe Jim and Barbara, the spins, the spinsters, <laughs> like whatever. You know what? They were just swingers. They were, maybe they just hosted swinging parties all oh, the time. God. <gasps> Key parties. It was okay, the seventies. Oh, the Cromarties are way more fun than we are giving them credit. Well, let's say this. Let's say for fun, and I think it's true. They were regular ass people. They were interviewed, except for except that they had a waterbed in every room. <laughs> <laughs> I like that's it really is. It's the nineteen seventies equivalent of being a sexual deviant. <laughs> There's a water bed in every bedroom and lube on the nightstand. <laughs> oh, okay, so <laughs> So Jim and Babs rejected all of the Lutz claims. They said there was absolutely no physical damage to the locks, doors, and windows. That was a big part of the story. Right. They were like Nope, not there. None of that's happening. <laughs> Sorry, the ice cream man is driving by right <laughs> yeah, now. Really if is. you hear the bells. <laughs> I, I Excuse like, me, I gotta go. Sorry, ghostly wind chimes and or ice cream man. Ice cream man. What do you want? <laughs> ghostly chimes. <laughs> what do I want him? No. Oh, I meant like what kind of ice cream no, did you I'm, want? No. <laughs> I thought we were at a rally again though. Oh. <laughs> Off the rails. I know. You really like when we're at rallies. <laughs> Who doesn't like a good rally? Very good. <laughs> um, so Barbara argued that um, all of these uh, locked doors and windows were actually the original items, and they had not been repaired, and they, they seemingly nothing had ever happened to them. Remember that red room? Yep. The satanic peace melon demon room that the dog would never go into. The disappointments room? Yep. <laughs> uh, Barbara said that the red room, quote unquote, was just a small closet in the be- in the basement and that it really wasn't concealed in any way. Okay. Like you can, you can open a door and there's a closet. It's a weird, it's mm-hmm. a weird 
thing. Like, if you, you know what I mean? Like, we've all, we've all been, I mean, unless, unless you're rich and you have a mansion you designed yourself, we've all moved into somebody else's place. And we're like, what the fuck is this? Like, right. who has a closet here? That, her only reaction to it was like, who has a closet here? This is weird. Remember that place that I lived in where the closets were connected by that little, like, <laughs> Hole at the bottom yes, of the floor, so and Ophelia. We're talking about her again. Yeah. Uh, Ophelia found it immediately when we moved in there, and that was like her way of just like moving around mm-hmm. the place. Like she just loved that she could be from one room to the next like that. Oh, here it is. Here's how long they lived here. I'm sorry. Jim and Barbara lived in that house for ten years, and Jim went on the record. Quote: Nothing weird ever happened. Except for the people coming by because of the book and movie. Okay. So, this couple moved in. Um, oh my god. It is 13 months. 13 months after those, after the Let's is left. Hmm. And There's said, something to the 13. Yeah, there might be. Um, and basically, they were like, nope, this place is totally fine. This house is clear. Nothing to say here. Interesting. Did you have something in your notepad, or you want me to talk about lawsuits? Uh, no, I would like to talk about lawsuits. My stuff is more related to your next line item. <laughs> okay. Um, so and the rest is all up here. Ooh. In my noggin. Uh-oh. That's You're what pointing I'm pointing to your bangs. I'm pointing to my bangs. <laughs> what will they say? <laughs> um, <laughs> They've got a mind of their own. <laughs> in May of 1977, George and Kathy Lutz filed a lawsuit against Hertz, which is a publishing company. Keep up. Oh, not the car rental company. Uh, that's, oh, <laughs> I guess it is a hominin, sort of. Okay. I said Hearst, not Hertz. Oh, I thought you said Hertz. I'm sorry. I may have. Okay. I'm <laughs> I'm trying to shuttle a... We'll never know. Shuttle a space uh, capsule. This is going well. I know. <laughs> we can delete it. A space so. capsule, we, but we won't. <laughs> but we won't. We'll put it up and we'll <laughs> just hope you listen. Um, anyway, so the Hearst Company is a publishing uh, branch. They do Con Nest, blah, blah, blah. And they actually sued, uh, had a list of names here, and I got rid of them, like 10 other people. The Lutzes. The Lutzes. Okay. They alleged, we can talk about this in a second once you hear what I said, their allegation was invasion of privacy, misappropriation of names for trade purposes, and mental dis- mental distress. They claimed $4.5 million in damages. In 1977. Um, okay. I don't, <laughs> all right, sure. So they moved to that house in March of 1976. Wait and, a minute, no, I do have things to say. Sorry, in, in, in January of 1976, and by May of 1977, they're suing everybody involved for $4.5 million in damages. Actually, I do have something to say about this, because you're like, well, they didn't make any money on that, which means they're probably, they're probably truthful. Oh, no. No, no. They sued to cash in on this motherfucking cash cash. So they... Okay. Or cash pig demon. So they're suing people for an invasion of privacy. Yeah, they're the ones who were, like, the freaky flatable, like, hand guy, like, waving their hands in the air, like, look at us! We couldn't last in this house and everything bad is happening. They submitted 45 hours worth of tape. But... Yet there's an invasion of privacy. I don't understand. They went on Good Morning America. They went on the Today Show. They went on Phil Donahue. They, they smoked on, cigarettes on Phil Donahue. They they <laughs> smoked cigarettes on Phil Donahue. I watched it. Well, let <laughs> me tell you something. Your outrage was felt. I'm sure. In September of 1979, a judge 
called Judge Weinstein, if you're interested. But a judge dismissed the Lutz's claim, saying, quote, unquote, based on what I have heard, it appears to me the to a sorry, it appears to me a large extent of the book is a work of fiction. Dun dun dun. Let me repeat. Judge Weinstein dismissed the Lutz's claims, saying their 4.5 million claim of damages, based on what I've heard, it appears to me to a large extent the book is a work of fiction. Go ahead, Noel. Dun dun dun. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. oh no, mic down. <laughs> Sorry for that. Loudness. I was uh, re- refilling. Um, by the way, this bottle is also a twist off. Ooh, sexy. So I'm trying to keep it classy for the lotses. Um, I, I just like that. Good for him. Good for him for recognizing that. Like, you know what they're doing? They're ruining. They're ruining it for ghosting all. for everybody. They're ruining ghosting for everybody and for all the other people who are, have experienced things like ghost cats. <laughs> I mean, right? We all have experiences, and then when this comes up, it's like, come on, bitches. Why do you have to, like, they took it to 11, and it was unacceptable. Right. Not okay. Agreed. Are we ready for the Warrens? I'm so ready for the Warrens. Okay. okay. So, you're not going <laughs> to like this. Well, you'll like it. I don't care. Um, or you won't. I don't know. Consent is everything. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just put, I put the space capsule in reverse. It's right, capsule. Um, 20 days after the Lawrence fled, Marvin Scott. The Lutzes. The Marvins. Did I say Marvins? No, you said the Lawrence. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, okay, so I'm looking at the word Lorraine Warren and I got excited. <laughs> and every time I talk about Lorraine Warren, I call her Lorraine Lorraine. <laughs> Oh, Lorraine Lorraine. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so 20 days after the Lutzes fled, Marvin Scott, who is a news reporter with Channel 5 New York, called in Ed and Lorraine Warren. That's right. The Lutzes didn't. No one ain't. No one else did. This dude, this news reporter, Marvin Scott, called in Ed and Lorraine. Yeah, and this is actually, like, probably one of the first occurrences where Ed and Lorraine didn't just show up. <laughs> Which, actually, if you if you listen to episode 13, the Smurl episode, you will know that that was their M.O. They would just show up. Right. Okay, so this is fascinating, though. The Lutzes were like, cool, thanks for investigating. They actually never returned to the home. Okay, so I watched... An- okay, so please go to this. Please, please look this up on YouTube. It's called SeekersOfTheSupernatural.com. Um, it is exactly what you think it is. And it's amazing. <laughs> and they do... Um, Ed Lorraine had, like, a weekly spot on it where they... It was probably, like, a cable access show in the 80s um, where Ed and Lorraine would talk about their ghost hunting. And the host is this guy named Tony... Oh, shit. Uh, Tony Vero. And I think that's her... Did he end up marrying uh, their daughter? Maybe. I'm not I don't know. Okay. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Because, um, I have no idea. Tony, they do have uh, a Sutherland named Tony who took up where Ed left he, off. He totally c- could be the guy. Okay. So Tony, like, basically, he's like, and I'm your moderator, Tony Vero. And um, they sit on a couch, and he sits in a chair matching. It's like people's, like, home furniture. And um, they tell their stories, and then they'll cut over to Tony, who's, like, nodding, like, 
serious thinking like we're solving all the world's world's problems right now like we're we're figuring this out we've got it um it's so very serious but anyway so i watched a lot of those videos again seekers of the supernatural.com incredible um <laughs> it's unbelievable sounds so, amazing uh yeah there are a ton of youtube videos but um there were a couple times where ed and lorraine referenced george letting them into the house yep yeah i know so they're like openly lying yep. about this they said george would george by met the way them. when you say this several times how many times were they there no 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 they they said in different interviews Several oh, times in different oh, oh, oh. I just wanted to George, no, uh, no. Ed and Lorraine hang, hung their shingle on this. They went there once. Once. Yo, once. 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 But Lorraine says it was like, once. once. <laughs> Lorraine says it was the most horrible, terrible, terrible, horrible, terrible, I know, horrible, terrible place she's ever experienced. Yep. Te- just terrible. Um, <laughs> she says terrible. I believe her. Uh, but they said that George met them at the house. Nope. He let them in and he, would, he wouldn't step inside. That's as far as he went. And, yeah, I, I heard them say that at least twice. Seekers of the Supernatural.com. Okay, I have a couple things to say about this. And, of course, please um, speak up whenever mm-hmm. you want to say anything. Uh, the Warrens allege that the land was used by John Ketchum. Do you know this story? Yes, I do. I had. I think I had okay, a so this about is, yeah. This is old-timey. And th- this story actually um, was told in the remake of the Amityville Horror movie oh, with really? Ryan Reynolds and um, oh, I'm blanking on her name right now. She's a pretty blonde woman. She was an alias. I'm very surprised by the fact she's that Australian, she's very I think. pretty. I, I know, that's really weird. I, um, I thought you were going to say she's a very good actor. Nope. Okay. No, she actually is. But, but No, but it isn't to take away from that, but I, I don't know. Hollywood. Anyway, that's another story. That's for our eight Hollywood sexist uh, podcast that we do every day in our heads. Um, so there allegedly was a man, not, he, he existed, his name was John Ketchum. Um, but what was alleged is that he was practicing black magic and had a cottage on this land, right? Yes. So what they say is they built this home, this Dutch colonial on Ocean Avenue, um, over where this man used to do these things, um, and that, uh, the remains of John Ketchum are underneath the property where they remain to this day. Da, da, da. I'm looking up the name of Tony Vero. I'm listening. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I looked over it and well, she's basically just using her phone. Um, <laughs> they no, also claimed that um, uh, the Chinook Indians yes. had an enclosure on this land. But here's the thing. I, this is what I like about the Warrens. It's not enough that the... Um, uh, white man came and murdered and uh, committed genocide. No, no, no. Apparently, they had to go further. By the way, this is un- this is not proved, and there's no way to prove it. Uh, what they're about to say, they said it was the Chinook Indians made this an enclosure. So this was like a pen, which they used to house the sick and crazy, whom they left to die. I will say this: this doesn't necessarily sound like Native American behavior. Who does it sound like? Mm, white people. Yeah, it sounds like white people. White people. <laughs> so it's like not enough to have like taken land from the Native Americans called the Chinook. Apparently, the Warrens uh, or whomever <clears throat> else had to stretch it out to the point they were like, "Yes, 
So, not only did we take their land, but this was their this was the Indian equivalent of an insane asylum. Not a thing. Not a thing. I just find it really bogus. I mean, it could be a thing, but I I think well, I don't know. it's it's definitely more of a European thing. Um, <laughs> and by European, I mean uh, the pilgrims <laughs> or well, the, the white you know. pe- the white people. White people. Um, so <clears throat> there's a story of, and Lorraine kind of corroborates this as well. Um, there is a woman, and I'm sorry, I can't, I didn't write her name down, and I should know this from all of the documentaries I've watched over the years because she is definitely an outspoken person with this but she was part of the channel five crew oh, mm-hmm. you know who i'm talking about yeah. she's got black hair and Wait. yeah um she, i think she was a reporter at the time and now she's become like basically a ghost hunter like she's super into this i don't know if that's really her job but mm-hmm. she's like really into amityville and she's on all of in all of the documentaries but she tells a story about <clears throat> lorraine channeling the chief of the Chinook Indians and she's like and she transformed into him and all of a sudden she had an Adam's apple what? and like oh, it's no. such a ridiculous story no. but basically Lorraine tells the story that um, she was like possessed by the chief and he like spoke through her um, and more or less confirmed that the house was built on this Native American uh, burial ground and that they were disturbing it and they were disturbing all, disturbing all of the um, the spirits of these, you know, um, <clears throat> individuals who had mental issues. So that's a story. That's one fun story. <laughs> I like that that's in your category of fun. <laughs> I, want- I just love the idea of like, and then she transformed into this Native American chief and she had an Adam's apple. Yeah, why bother with that? That's so fucking like heteronormative. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean, though? That's that whole like, I mean, if she were going to transform into an Indian chief, why did this fucking twat need her to have an Adam's apple? Why didn't she just suddenly have a headdress? Like if okay, she was going to go there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it was like, Lorraine was a Chinook uh, chief. With a big, I could see it through her pants. Like just this huge pack. <laughs> Looked like she had a dick, guys. And then she was like, "Ooh, this place is haunted." <laughs> but Lorraine was like, but "You know what I mean? That's a, yeah. that's the equivalent. That's what she's trying to say with Adam's apple, like exactly." Ugh. There's, like, this male-dominant thing. And, well, but but Lorraine, too, was like, and then the chief, he spoke through me. I love her. And she kept referring to referring to him as the chief, which I thought was really funny. And dumb. Okay. Um, so, uh, just a quick wrap-up of this. Uh, so, the Warrens believe that the suffering um, they talked about um, had a very negative and dark energy. And so, they were the ones, actually, who said that this was the magnet for demonic spirits. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they they actually didn't even say it was it was the Lutzes who are experiencing that. They actually said that all the deaths of the DeFeos now were because of the demonic spirits, which I think is gross. They have been a, they were a very strong advocate for Ronnie Butch DeFeo and his innocence. Fuck that. And they because they believed yep. in quotes that he was possessed by some demon um, that, you know, like the story kept evolving. It's disgusting. As it grew, it kept evolving and it kept becoming, you know, it, it started as demons and then it became this Native American thing. Um, there's another story, um, and I don't think that the the Warrens actually 
have promoted this story, but there is a rumor that Ronald DeFeo Sr. had gone to Montreal six months before their deaths and um, brought a, uh, a priest back with him to exercise the house. And during the exorcism, allegedly, uh, the doors were opening and closing. There were like footsteps all around and um, Butch left because he couldn't handle it. So there was speculation that Butch was possibly, but there were, but the, but because Butch left, if this even happened, like nobody, like nobody's confirmed that the story at that point for like 23 years. I don't know. It wasn't that long. Well, wait, Butch did. So Butch killed them when he was 23 and Ronald senior moved them in when they were kiddos. I think he moved them in, in like 1965. We're going to have to go back to, okay. So eight years. So I guess when he was 15, Maybe, no, maybe it was 1956. Maybe I'm inverting the numbers. It must be, because I feel like everything I read is that Ronnie grew up there. He did, but he was was born when they moved them in. Right, he's the oldest. I think, yeah, I think a few of the kids were born. They must have been. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they they spent most of their lives in that house. But the the theory is that um, because Butch couldn't handle the exorcism... No, that that maybe there was something inside of him already. Nah. Or maybe he was a 23-year-old who was like, fuck this, I'm out. Drug-addicted dickwad. Yeah, this is lame. So I'm leaving. With, uh, lots of guns and too much access <laughs> to money. I'm out. This is dumb. Yeah, sorry for me. So... Um. So that's that's just an that's just another theory out there. Um, and I, I... Again, I don't believe that the Warrens have ever promoted that one, but... I, I heard, through all of my YouTube videos, I heard that one. I was like, that's interesting. I've never heard that before. So my dear friend. Yeah. We always wonder why the neighbors didn't wake up when the shots were fired. Mm-hmm. We wonder that, right? We do. Okay. Now, you, if you've been listening to this, probably, hopefully, have, like, wondered about that. Like, where the fuck were they? Why didn't they hear it? Where there's no reports of that. Um, good for you. I'll let Noel um, take lead on that after I say this. Um, the Warrens believe that the victims themselves were in a state of phantomania yep. which in effect paralyzed them making them unable to cry out so their belief the Warrens that is is that the DeFeos were possessed phantomania and therefore that is the reason why they laid face down in their beds and did not put up a fight um, I am going to let no t- Noelle take over because I am totally disgusted by this thought. Um, <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the things about the house that, that has always like this is the one thing where I'm like this doesn't make any sense and I can't find any logical reason for it because even I if can't. You want to know what it no is? no no let me hear no. me out and then you'll because I kind of I think I know what you're gonna say he took out his father first so he took out the strongest person first. Um, and which Who, he had already tried to kill his father. He had already tried to kill his father, which we talked about in the first part of this. Um, so he took him out, so he was able to, you know, force the others into lying face down, whatever he needed to do, do these more of like mob hit type look looking deaths. However, he still had to take the time to cock the gun every time he was using a shotgun so he had shot most of them twice he shot most of them twice he shot his parents twice he was using a rifle 
It was a shotgun. At the, the, that one was a shotgun? Yeah, it was a shotgun. So he had to reload, cock it, and shoot it every time. His parents twice, and I think his siblings once. No, I think two. One of, his brothers both got two shots. Yeah, that, maybe that's right. So that's a lot of bullets, and that's a lot of time for nobody well, the whole to thing act. only took him 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. Which is also bizarre that he like was able to move through the house so quickly and that nobody moved. Everybody obeyed his commands. I would. Like I don't know. Like it's surprising to me that that the the oldest brother next to him or even Don who was 18 at the time that nobody fought back. Well, you know, Ronnie says it's Don who did it all. Right. He he's always <laughs> He, he, <laughs> Which is the older sister that, like, he murdered. Right. And then he said this was her idea. Right. He started blaming Donna in, like, guy. 1985. Yeah. Um, but still, like, it's bizarre to me that nobody fought back. There are no, there are no signs of struggle. And simply the simple fact that there were no neighbors that were alerted or awake, awoken by this. The neighbors... I'm sure there would. There were. Well, here's what I want to say about the neighbors. I think we need to look at forensic science. I think we need to look at the family. I think we need to look at their dynamic. But we've talked about this. Like, the... But I will tell you this. But why not call... Why not call the police? Because if the neighbors were like, this family is so fucked up. But if you hear a, if you hear a uh, gunshot... Listen, no, no, no. If you hear a I'm gunshot, gonna a I'm going to call the police. I'm going to tell you a real story. Tell me a real story. When I was visiting my mother's house recently we thought we heard gunshots we did mm-hmm. do you know what we did what did you do nothing turned, yes we did nothing we live in a cul-de-sac we turned off all of our lights we stood by the door and we waited and we watched a family walk in and out of their garage like 10 of them and they were they seemed to us to be very weird and then somebody drove away the next day my mom and i were like look scouring through the newspapers trying to figure out what happened i mean it's two it's 2017 i had my phone in my hand i didn't call anybody but but you're one person you can't tell me that of all of those neighbors they lived in a suburb like they as were as far as i can tell no ambulances and no police came. no but and that's the thing no to, to my story oh, that i'm telling okay, you okay i know i know what you're saying okay because nobody can no, tell well, what the fuck it was and by the way if you're listening we're at the ghost studio the the windows are open and if you hear gunshots but sound like gunshots you just might those right. are all fireworks there's so many things especially if you lived up live next to a fucked up family like the defeos like you're used to but ronnie is- freaking out doing all these crazy things but and this is a white not... but this is a white bread community in 1974 in Long Island, New York. That's so racial. It's very racial, <laughs> but if they're being disturbed, they're calling the police. I like don't know. I I, th- wouldn't. I, I, I just think and but and there are neighbor accounts where they're like I didn't hear anything. Yeah. Like the only thing that people say that they heard was a dog barking. And that's odd to me. I'm not saying, like, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's very, very bizarre. And it's weird to me that this family was so complicit in their deaths that they were yeah. like, we're just going to lie face down and hope for the best. Like, that's crazy to me. Yep. I get that. I probably would have. I, I, I don't mean to sound like an, a crazy person. I would have probably been one of those people that, if you pulled a gun on me, put it to my head, told me to lay face down in bed, and there's a chance after I saw three people get murdered, I would say yeah. And if you don't do this, I will not murder you. Lay down in bed. But the way he, I but I mean, even the way I'm he, also a pussy. I'll just put that out there. Like, no, no, I no. just 
but 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 his, the story doesn't add up in the way too where like I don't think like the way he's always told the story it's not it doesn't sound like they were all together like one gunshot woke he's them lying. up. Well, he's probably lying, but it also because like you said it happened so quickly. So what? Boom, shoot dad, then no, mom I bet and he, the kids he all and he like up. it was 3 a.m. I bet he woke everyone up, took all the little kiddos who are like kiddos. We're talking mm-hmm. nine through eighteen years old, right? Had them stand in mom and dad's room. The dad was probably like, like begging him, please don't do this. And then his dad got into bed. He this all took place in fifteen minutes. His dad got into bed. He had him lay on his face and he shot him in his head, and then he shot him in his back twice. Right. If you're a kid between eight and nine years old, you see your dad get murdered that way, and then Ronnie's basically like, "Don't say a fucking word, and you'll live." Mm-hmm. And then he tells his mother to lay next to his dad and do the same yeah. thing. And he's like, Mom, if you do this, I will not kill you. Like, shit. He kills six fucking people. By the time you're the sixth person, are you going to lay him? I mean, I don't know. Uh, what are you going to do? You don't have a gun. And your brother is a psycho. But then how? Who was stolen from your family just right. a week earlier. He was in a police car and three policemen couldn't subdue him. They were terrified of their right. lives. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's just sorry to get so passionate about it. I just I hate so much that we feel so badly for this fucking fuck. I don't Ugh. feel ba- no. I don't feel I bad for him. I just think it's bizarre. That's all. Like it's it's just. I don't know. Something feels weird about it. That's sure. all. The end. I love you. Can We're we not, still be friends after this? We can probably still be friends. Can we work on it? <laughs> We're gonna need some counseling. <laughs> uh, no. We're good. Please continue. I just think it's weird. That's all. I'm with you. All right. Um, I'm going to talk about Ed for just a little bit. Ugh. Ed was... Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you four, uh, a couple bullet points, and then I want you to just like go crazy. I don't have um, much to say. <laughs> Ed was anxious to see for himself um, whether this phenomenon was real, so he went to the cellar. Now, the important thing to know is that Ed is not the clairvoyant type. He saves all that for Lorraine. Right. So, for a man who doesn't usually experience clairvoyant feelings, he went down there and he did. Uh, He said, despite his immunity from witnessing phenomenon, he saw shadows and thousands of pinpoints of light. (laughs) By the way, I need to... (laughs) Thousands. Thousands. He said, these shadows attempted to push him to the ground. He said he used religious resistance and commanded the spirits to leave. And then he immediately got the sensation of something attempting to lift him off the ground. And then he knew it was truly a house of horror. And a house of evil. Uh, Of course, yes. I have one other thing to say because I think it was really funny. I probably should have put this up higher, but my editing skills were bad on this one. (laughs) Uh, Here's a quote from Ed. The cellar is typically where evil spirits spend their days. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> what? Yep, because uh, it's cold and it's damp and it's in the dark place in the basement. Let me read it again. The cellar is where the evil spirits spend most of their days. Oh, Ed. Oh, Ed. Oh, dummy, dummy. He is the captain of fear-mongering. Oh, my God. Um... <laughs> in one of, in one of the interviews that I watched with him um, on uh, seekers of the supernatural.com 
Um, the question was, what do you do if you see a ghost? And Ed's response was, well, there are all kinds of ghosts, but, you know, so it kind of depends on the situation that you're in. But in general, if we're speaking in general, what you would do is do the sign of the cross in the direction of the spirit. And then you would say, in the name of the Lord, is there anything I can do for you? (laughs) In the name of the Lord, is there anything I can do for you? Yeah. Which is, which is, you know. pleasant. And his, his reasoning behind that was, um, most spirits that you encounter, as we've talked about before, are people who have died, um, and are confused about their death and don't understand, like, you know, they're trapped. They're not trapped, but they're like, they don't know where they are. And so he's like, this is your way of kind of guiding them out. And he's like, now most people, you know, see a ghost and you'd jump up and you'd freak out and you'd run out of the room. And that's totally okay. That's Mm -hmm. a totally normal response. But, you know, it, it, he's like, but if you want to embrace it, this is something you can do. So it's not a, it's not actually a bad sentiment. No, I mean, I, my, my first thing I say is I respect you, so. Yeah. But then he also said that if you feel that um, a spirit is being intrusive or um, in the wrong place, you are within your full right to tell them to get the heck out. Heck. Yeah. Really? Get the heck out. Okay, I, we don't have much more to give. Stay with us. Uh, Lorraine, you want to hear some Lorraine stuff? Please. I love her. You mentioned. Lorraine, when she walked in, sensed a demonic presence. <laughs> she, oh, th- okay, so this is the thing, though. I get a little bit mad at Lorraine here because I think she crosses a line. Have you read these things? The, just this time? <laughs> just this time. You guys. Ugh. She claimed to see psychic impressions of the DeFeo family's bodies lying on the floor covered in white sheets. Lorraine. She sensed the feeling of being physically pushed back. And she also said, this doesn't cross the line, it just happened to be in this same thing that she was doing. She felt water whooshing over her mm-hmm. as she climbed the stairs. So, um, as she moved about the house... She said she clairvoyantly knew that Missy's room had the same furniture as it had when the DeFeo girls were murdered. And listen to this. This is actually wrong. She goes on record so many times saying that Mr. Lutz was a fool because he let his children sleep in the DeFeo children's deathbeds. There's no way. Well, here's the thing. They had the furniture. Right. The headboards were the same. Right. But the mattresses, we talked about this. Yeah, like, the mattresses were different. There's no but way. But Lorraine was like, like, what a fool you are. The You know, like, you basically, uh, kind of victim blaming a little bit. Right. Even though I hardly called the Lutz's victims. But like, um, yeah, she, she went on record saying that she thought Mr. Lutz's, meaning George, I was calling George last time. I don't need to call him Mr. Lutz now. Um, that George let his children sleep on, on fucking bloody mattresses? No. By the way, these children were murdered in those mattresses. No. The way that the body works, do you think you could even, like... Like, they bled out on those mattresses. They're, they're By the way, which is why, longer time ago when you were saying, there's a reason why the sewing room probably has a lot of fly problems. Right. Keep going. Well, there was another theory about that, too, um, which I'll get to, but... Uh, there are pictures that you can easily Google 
of the DeFeo murders and they show the bloody mattresses. Those were evidence. They took, like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way that they took those in. Um, so apparently, the, one theory with the flies, which I actually just learned this week, because um, that was always another thing for me where I was like, but the flies. Um, apparently. Which I always reply to, clean your house. Right. Well, apparently the heat was on so high because George, oh, George Lutz was so, cold. was so cold. So when the, the temperatures larvae. are, yeah, oh. the temperatures are high, that will cause flies to react and be around. It's never happened to me. I'm from snow country. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I don't know, but that was, <laughs> that was that one theory. I try to be clean. Um, no, but in general, like turn what? heat on, the flies come. No, but they were saying over the period of, like, a period of time. Because it was a long period of time. No, because I'm a... I like the cold. All right. So I don't live in the warmth. Um, Last thing. Yeah. Of this part. Um, when the Warren team came in, you probably heard of Demon Boy. The uh, spectral child? Yeah. Thank you. I was hoping you were going to bring him up. So the research team captured an image of a spirit that appeared as a little boy peering from the second floor. It was called taken, Demon Boy. No, that picture was actually taken from the Warren's photographer. Yep. Yes. Please go on. No, I have nothing more to say about oh, it. Oh, and the theory. It, look it up. It's when we'll post it. It's a creepy freaking picture. No, nah, it doesn't do anything for me. Well, here's the thing. The, I mean, there there are a lot of people that have debunked it, but this picture was taken in what 1976, 1977. 77. Um. So. We didn't necessarily have all of the technology to... Yeah. Well, they didn't have the money to do it. Meh. Eh. But, I mean... I mean, listen. In high school, I took a uh, photography when we were doing darkroom stuff. And I did an art class that right. focused on um, manipulative photography. So, basically... What so, the, by the time I was 17 years old, I was making manipulative photography. Got so it. I will say this. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Okay, got it. So, basically, what the picture is, is it's a boy peeking around... The um, the staircase at the bottom, like the the landing, and his eyes are they're <laughs> they're glowing, <laughs> and it basically looks like a reflection, like our or um, like a red eye almost from mm -hmm. the like the camera. So the the theory is that it's John Matthew who is the youngest boy. But a lot of people just speculate that maybe, like, a neighbor boy got into the house while they were doing their walkthrough. So this all took place when the, the Warrens were there and Channel 5 was doing their overnight investigation. And to kind of go into that a little bit, um, so Channel 5 decided to launch, Channel 5 New York decided to launch an investigation. They brought in the Warrens and a few paranormal investigators and a couple of reporters, and they, like, camped out overnight. They did a seance. Um, and did a walk through and just hung out and nothing really happened. They just took a bunch of pictures. Um, I think this is when like a, allegedly Lorraine channeled the Native American chief. Um, and from the picture came the spectral boy or the demon child. Um, and so, you know, the, a lot of people are like clearly like some kid in the neighborhood ran in the house and got busted by the, the, uh, the photo. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, ghost investigators are like, it can't be explained. <laughs> it's a ghost. Why would you explain it? So it, it, it's another creepy element to the story. Mm -hmm. I'd like to believe that it's a ghost. Me too. Yeah. Me too. 
Um, do you mind clicking the thing and we'll come back in two secs? Yeah, I will click the thing. <laughs> Perfect. All right, so um, the next thing up is uh, Stephen Kaplan. Do you have him in your notes? I don't. Okay, so this is the last thing about this. Um, Stephen Kaplan actually contemporaneously investigated this. Okay. Now, if you go to any, any Pro Warren, that's right, Pro Warren website, they um, rake this guy over the coals. Of course. It's like this huge turf war, and he's wrong, 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 wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He's a weirdo. What? Yeah, I know. He um, is a paranormal investigator, vampirologist. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the founder and director of the Vampire Research Center and Parapsychology <laughs> Institute of America. <laughs> what is his name? Stephen Kaplan. Oh, my God. But he didn't live long. He's oh, gone. Oh, no. I know. That's Stephen, if you're here, touch Noel's hair. Stephen, why didn't we meet sooner? Um, He was born in 1940, and he died in 1995. Devastating. Just a kiddo. Just a kiddo. But seriously, Stephen, if you're here, touch Noelle's Adam's apple. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kaplan actually wrote a book. Um, and his main thesis, uh, his main thing is, it, it's, it's called The Amityville Horror Conspiracy, which okay. counters Anson's work mm-hmm. and argues that the Lutzes deliberately defrauded the public. According to Kaplan, on February 16th, 1976, shortly after the Lutzes abandoned the house, Kaplan received a phone call from Humna. What do you think? George Lutz. He did, yeah. Um, and George Lutz requested that Kaplan investigate the home. Now, Kaplan recalled his account of this incident in the Amityville Horror Conspiracy, um, and he said that this initial conversation immediately aroused his suspicions uh, to George Lutz's validity and and the validity that the house was haunted. Okay. Now, Kaplan claimed Lutz asked for a fee for the group's services. Hold on. Uh... Kaplan claims that Lutz asked for a fee for the group's services, and Kaplan told him that they did not charge for the investigation. But Kaplan said, if the story is a hoax, the public will know. Shortly after that conversation... Let's called and canceled the investigation. Huh. Uh, what do you think? I think that uh, I wish I would have known Stephen Kaplan when he was still around. Also, um, by the way, I'm not shitting you. I went to like 10 websites uh, about Stephen Kaplan, and all of them are anti-Stephen Kaplan. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I need to look him up and find out they more. They all call him nothing short. I mean, whatever sort of negative language you want to use against somebody like right they hate him they're anti-steven and drag him through felt that's devastating yeah i think and the thing that they make fun of him most for which is interesting because it's mostly ghost sites the vampire thing they're like what a dummy they can't get past it well that's fair um <laughs> i guess that's totally fair right. I, I think well what's interesting about this entire story is that most um ghost hunters are I shouldn't even say ghost hunters, but, like, parapsychologists or people that are, like, really into this, like, especially at the time, were very against it and very much in the the mindset that this is a hoax and this is not real. Yeah. Um, and because it was based on conversations like this with George, 
because Kathy was pretty outside of like the occasional TV interview. You didn't really hear much from Kathy. It was all George. And there's an interview with George after Kathy's death where he actually makes a statement along the lines of like, and they had been divorced uh, for some time time. Mm -hmm. at, at this point as well. And he was like, well, she was my partner in crime and she with this and and now that she's gone, I really have no one to back me up on it. And it, it kind of it's it's a little bizarre that like he would say something like that because it's almost like was he holding her to this? Like what like compelled her to keep telling this story? Yeah. It was interesting. Also for those of you who are uh, interested, um there are actually little children playing outside the <laughs> studio. So in case you're listening, you're like, oh my fucking God, they've captured EVP. I would like to be the person who debunks that right now. There is a child <laughs> outside the ghost studio. Uh, we are nigh on the 4th of July, and uh, there are shenanigans going on. So, um, <laughs> Not ghost kids. I just knew like, if I were listening, I'd be like, do they know there's a ghost child as they talk about this? <laughs> yes, we, we knew. It's actually a human child. Um Anything you want to do about this before we close up shop? No. I mean, this is the big daddy of them all. I can't believe... And we're pretty efficient. I can't believe we took us three goddamn episodes. Three episodes. And this one's long as shit. I would just say that at the end of the day, we don't know. <laughs> uh, we don't know anything. We I don't know what we've learned. Um, well, from this, we've learned nothing. Except nothing. for that Noelle had a, had a ghost cat. There was a ghost cat, maybe. I mean, we don't even know if that's real. I do. Um, I'm completely agnostic on all of it. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I, I think I, I think we can button it up and call it a day. And I am I would like to say that this actually. Yeah. Um, I think that there are very there are a lot of similarities between Kathy Lutz and Lorraine Warren in the way that they were married to two scumbags. Who, charismatic scumbags. Charismatic scumbags who dragged them down into their filth. Oh no! And made I them tell Lorraine. Oh, my God. dirty lies. Oh, Lorraine. Until the end of their days. Well, and Lorraine's Lorraine, still with us. I know, but she's still telling those stories. She could stop. She could stop. But now she now she's in it. She's real in it. Yeah. Sad. She tried to convince me I was a psychic medium. I watched. <laughs> I, I watched a twenty-minute video of uh, the occult museum, the Warren Occult oh, Museum, which Annabelle. is. It's such a sad place. That's so fucking dumb. It's such a sad place, and it's filled with like um, Halloween decorations. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, my real mother, Lorraine. If you're listening to this, I love you so much. <laughs> I mean, you're such a classy lady. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. Um, for the rest of you, this has been, I think. Hum-um-um. The conclusion of Amityville. Get out. We did it. We told you, actually, one of the reasons why we started this podcast, uh, I will be honest with you, uh, Noelle and I were uh, at the pool in Las Vegas. Do you remember this? <laughs> <laughs> we were at the Paris Hotel. I've been gambling all night mm-hmm. and uh, reading a book about a serial killer. And mm-hmm. Noelle turned to me and said, we should uh, podcast about our hobby. Yes. And I was like... Yes. Well, it t- actually took me much more convincing than that. But pretty much at that point, I was a yes. That was, that was pretty good. Yeah. And I think the first story that you and I agreed to tell was Amityville. Right. Cause and we, we started to. episode 38 with Amityville. I think so. It's pretty crazy. I didn't, yeah, that sounds right. So we actually, here's what I mean to say. We've been practicing and we've been uh, living up to this. 
So hope it didn't suck. Yeah, no, it was terrible. Right. <laughs> but listen, I've been drinking all day, yeah, so I who think cares? <laughs> you look great, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I know, right? Um. So anyway, thank you so much for indulging us in the fucking three parts, dude. We did it so much. Um, I'm air fiving. Oh, I, <laughs> oh, that was an actual oh high five. Oh, I thought we were doing it for real. We did. Right. Oh, okay. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening to High Spirits. Uh, we're gonna conclude right now, so I'm gonna do it the old-fashioned way. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Chase Sagman, and with me, as always, is my pal Noel Schmidt, and she's sponsored tonight by Honoro Vera. It's kind of fruity. Straight out of uh, Illinois, Spain. Illinois via Spain. <laughs> and I'm drinking Elysian Space Dust IPA. Um, it's been a thrill. It's been a twirl. Noel has one last disgusting thing to say to you. Sweet dreams.